Let's just open our hearts as we prepare to receive the word and then come to the table as we close the service this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that we have already heard from you through worship, through prayer, through your word, through testimony. God, um, and now as we come and prepare to receive your word it is, as it is brought to us in the preaching today, and then, Lord, as we prepare to receive from your table today. Lord Jesus, would you just put an exclamation point on that which we have already heard. And Lord God, I pray that, um, Lord, you would continue to take what you are doing in us as a congregation and deepen it and broaden it within us, Lord. God, that you and your name might be glorified and that your kingdom might be extended in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, I ran across this story from uh, Clarence Harvey uh, in, from his book, Net Results. And um, he writes this, he says, One summer, as I was packing up to spend three months with relatives at the lake up north, my dad said, take the goldfish with you. I don't want to take care of it all summer. One day, after we got up to the lake, I decided to become a liberator, and I went down to the dock with my fishbowl and gave my fish a little talk. I'm going to throw you in the lake, I said. You'll be free. You can eat well here and grow up to be a big fish. But when I put the goldfish in the water at the end of the dock, it stayed right there. I backed off, thinking that the fish was attached to my shadow. But when I moved back to be sure it was gone, it was still right there. I even threw a stone into the water to scare it away, but that goldfish just swam around it. When I came back after lunch, the goldfish was still there swimming in the same spot. I sat down and thought, that fish should be free. It's got the whole lake to swim in. Suddenly... I saw in the water a huge ripple. Whoop! A big bass swallowed my little goldfish. Now later in life, someone told me that a goldfish, once it has lived in a circumference of a certain size, has been conditioned to think small and it will stay there until it dies swimming around in that same small circle. Now, you make the connection. <laughs> There's a lot of us that have been, become comfortable in our lives swimming in the same small circle. And God wants to take us, each and every one of us, and wants to throw us out into the lake and the ocean of His purposes. But it seems scary out there, but in reality, when we're swimming around in that small circle, that's when we're most vulnerable. Because that's when the big bass comes. And whoop! Little Goldie. 
no more. There have been a number of times in my life where the Lord has done that in, in me. He has taken me out of, I've been swimming for a season in one little small circle and the Lord has taken, thrown me out into the lake and said, swim. I still remember very clearly when the Lord um, did one of those times. It was about ten years ago when I read a book that absolutely messed up my life. The book was by a man by the name of Ross Patterson who had been a missionary in China for, I don't know, 30 years or so. And he wrote a little book called The Antioch Factor, The Hidden Key to the Book of Acts. And as I read it, I found that my heart was deeply challenged. His hypothesis was very simple. He said this, if you read the book of Acts, and we'll start there, if you've got a Bible, please pull it out right now. And Acts, the book of Acts begins quite naturally so with the first chapter of Acts. <laughs> and in Acts chapter 1, we read these familiar words, beginning in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now this was both a prophetic promise and a prophetic pronouncement. Jesus is saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my Spirit upon you. And because of that, here is what you are going to do. You are going to go and take my Word in my kingdom, not only to Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now here's where things get interesting. Because if you read the book of Acts, you'll discover that in the first few chapters, the book of the church at Jerusalem, the early church, the first church, is really the focus of attention. And we find out a lot, of, you know, the book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit done through the disciples, and specifically in these early chapters, it's the acts that are done by the disciples and by the believers who are a part of the church at Jerusalem. But something shifts and changes. They begin in Jerusalem. There's a scattering that takes place because of persecution and they go to Samaria and they begin to go to other places. But if you read carefully in the text, you will discover that primarily throughout that time, their ministry, even though they were outside of Jerusalem, 
their ministry continued to be focused on folks who were just like them. Other Jewish people who had also been scattered. Now, Ross Patterson, in his book, made a very um, compelling argument that really rattled my cage. Because he says in his book, and if you read the book of Acts, I think his argument makes both logical and very compelling sense. And that is that primarily after chapter 12, and even, you know, leading up to that, the focus of attention, and particularly the apostolic anointing for fulfilling Jesus' prophetic pronouncement in Acts chapter 1 that you will go, the focus of that shifts from the church in Jerusalem and by Acts chapter 13, it is the church at Antioch which becomes the focal point of the rest of the book of Acts, except for Acts 15 where you have the council at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem is really hardly even mentioned anymore. And the church at Antioch becomes the place where the apostolic baton is passed to because, and listen carefully, because this is vitally important, it was the church at Antioch that intentionally committed itself to fulfilling the prophetic pronouncement of Jesus to go even to the ends of the earth. Like I said, that messed with my life because... As many of you know, if you've been around here at Bethel for a while, um, I don't particularly, I mean, I'm not one of those people who loves to travel. I don't get all, you know, woo, excited about going and traveling. But as a result of, of the argument that was laid out for, for me in that book and my own study of the book of Acts, I had to open up my heart and say, okay, Lord, If you want me to go, I'll go. I don't want to, but I will. And in the last ten years, God has sent me to many, many places in this world. But that is only one small application. It's not just about going, you know, getting on a plane and going somewhere. It's about a heart posture that says, I'm willing, I'm willing to go to the next cubicle. I'm willing to go across the street. I'm willing to go where you send me, Lord. So that Lord, as you pour in your Spirit to us, you pour out your life through us. 
So this morning, I just want to introduce you to a series of messages that we're going to walk out over the next three Sundays after this. So I'm just going to give you the introduction this morning. And I've entitled this series of messages, Restoring Our Calling, A Place to Begin. This is a year of restoration. One of the things that I see happening among us right now is the Lord is restoring our calling. Let me say it in this way and try to grab hold of this if you could. For the last 15 years, we have been talking about the call of God upon our life as a congregation to become a house of prayer for all nations. That has been what I would call an aspirational value for us. It is a value that we have been aspiring towards. What I believe God is beginning to do, and this is the place to begin, where He's beginning, what He's beginning to do in us over this year and in the season that we see before us, is He is taking what has been an aspirational value and it is beginning to become an incarnational value. More than simply something we are aspiring to become, it is in fact becoming a value which we are beginning to embody. We've had... Of course, people, you know, we have people from roughly 25 different nations who worship here and in Minneapolis on any given Sunday. And that's all good and wonderful and positive. But what God is doing right now in the deepening and broadening of this calling is He is taking this, and I, I, I see what's happening right now, as we as a congregation are beginning to be a net together around our new friends, not only from Nepal and Bhutan, but others who are coming and God is bringing here, we are together beginning to incarnate this call. It, it's not only sort of an intuitive word that's out here, it's becoming a practical reality of our life together. Hello? Yes? As we recognize that God has woven us together for a purpose to be a reflection of His kingdom heart for the world and for our city. So I believe and have felt and believed for a very long time, and again, I've been pastor here a long time now, but I have sensed in my spirit for at least the last 15 years that the very specific call upon this congregation encapsulated in that phrase, a house of prayer for all nations, is that Bethel Christian Fellowship would be an Antioch church. If you've got your Bible, Acts 13, 
1 to 3 introduces, well, it's not the introduction, we'll go back to the introduction, but gives us a snapshot of the church in Antioch. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now let me unpack this very briefly this morning, and we're going to unpack it much more fully over the next several weeks. You've heard some of these phrases and words. I want to, I want to bring them together this morning and in these next weeks because I want us to as clearly, as clearly as I know how to communicate and as clearly as you know how to hear, I want us together to understand and rediscover our calling as a congregation here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. Again, encapsulated in that phrase, a house of prayer for all nations. So, the house, when we talk about a house, you've heard me share about this before, but I'm going to share about it again. When we talk about a house, we're talking about hospitality and inviting people in to find a place where they can belong. A place to belong. Turn back a couple of pages or maybe just one page in your Bible to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. Here is our first introduction to the church in Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message, listen to this, only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was upon them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples, listen to this, were first called Christians at Antioch. Now, scholars have debated and talked about why, why were they first called Christians at Antioch? Well, I'm going to give you the Reverend Dr. Jim Olson's. I get to use that today. All right, there we go. I'll give you my interpretation, my understanding. I believe they were first called Christians at Antioch because it was in Antioch that the church finally moved out of and from a singular culture, the Jewish culture. It was the first time they were no longer simply seen as yet another sect of Judaism. 
But now they had moved beyond those cultural parameters and began to envelop, encompass, and welcome people who were different from themselves. And an Antioch church is a church that will embrace those who are different than they are. Those people. And you all know who those people are. Because those people aren't us. And we've all got our us's and our them's. But I would speak to you this morning and say to you this. If God is restoring the calling of Bethel Christian Fellowship at this time and place, then He has commanded us to welcome them to become part of us. Yes? Hello? This is what we're signing up for. A place to belong. important. Secondly, it's a place to believe. I love, again, we're right back into Acts 13 now. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets, teachers, Barnabas, okay, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. It was while they were worshiping, while they were fasting, that's when the Holy Spirit said and gave them the instruction of what to do. The Lord responds to a people whose heart are set upon Him. When we put ourselves in the place of believing in Him, when we put ourselves into the posture of submission to Him, that's when He begins to speak to His people. We are called to be a house of prayer. It doesn't say a house of programs for all nations. It doesn't say a house of politics for all nations. What does it say? A house of prayer. Thirdly, missionality, a place to become. We are called to be a house of prayer for all nations. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. It's a place to discover. It's a place to become. It's a place to find that unique calling that's on each and every one of our lives as we are sent out and sent forth to do the kingdom purposes of God. Now notice something here. This is very much like Abraham's call in Genesis 12. Barnabas and Saul, the Holy Spirit says, set them apart for me for the work to which I've called them. But he doesn't lay out line by line exactly what that's going to be. He just says, send them off. 
And they go. Much like Abraham, I'm calling you into a country. Set out and get started. A lot of us, including me, would like to have the whole itinerary mapped out in advance. God doesn't always do that, does He? God loves to work off the page. You know, I'd love to talk to him about that because, you know, <laughs> I like the ducks in a row. He's outside the box. And every time he sees a box, he likes to just break it open. Because the Holy Spirit moves the way he likes and he likes the way he moves. place to become. So this is what God is calling Bethel Christian Fellowship. As He begins to restore our calling, we're called to be an Antioch church, and we have uh, said that our, uh, we've kind of encapsulated it in this phrase, Bethel Christian Fellowship is called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. If you've got your bulletin, you can pull out this other sheet of paper, which I don't even know what color. What color is this, Maura? Help me. Gray? Oh, thank you. Gray. Maura is my color keeper. All right. Gray. Bethel Christian Fellowship, BCF, is called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. Isaiah 56. As Isaiah prophesies, foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship Him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and hold fast to My covenant, these I will bring to My holy mountain and give them joy in My house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on My altar, for My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them beside those already gathered. It's not done. The throne room of God is not yet full. Embedded in this prophetic word are three strands of DNA which define the identity of BCF. Hospitality as a house of prayer for all nations. We're called to the ministry of hospitality, creating a safe place where strangers can become friends. As a house of prayer, we are called to host the manifest presence of God as we passionately pursue intimacy with Him in prayer and worship. As a house of prayer for all nations, we are called to reach out to all those who have not yet come into the kingdom, people from all nations, tribes, people groups, and and languages. This is our call. This is our identity. This is what we are called to be. And again, I want to commend this congregation that you are being this. Just this past week, very interesting. We had a, a, a group from around the country that came in for InterVarsity to work with Rick Matson, our Rick Matson that we know and love. They're working with Rick. Rick is heading up a subcommittee of InterVarsity that's working on a very challenging area of ministry life within InterVarsity. And they're coming up together with some, some uh, uh, theological statements and statements of practice and all kinds of things related to this. So they had people from California, from Maine, from Texas, from I'm not sure where else, and then, and then Rick. And they all came together here at Bethel and met for several days. 
We got a letter from Rick that said every single one of those people, when they walked in, sensed the hospitality, the welcome, the presence of the Lord. It was an o- they were operating under an open heaven and, and, and they made significant progress in their work. Now that's not, oh yay, that's just, oh yay God. God is at work among us and preparing this place. The work of the kingdom. Turn it over. By fully embracing this identity, we will be empowered to fulfill our destiny. Approximately 50 years ago, the second pastor of BCF, Helen Jepson, prophesied over the congregation these words from the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the rose, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it and the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. This prophecy presents a powerful picture of our destiny as we burst into bloom like a rose. We are destined to radiate life as a vibrant prophetic witness of the reconciling power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform individual lives in the life of our community, nation, and the world. We are destined to experience and express the joy of the Lord as we live out our life together in the presence and power of God as an intercultural community in Christ. And we are destined to expand and extend this vision as we network with other life-giving churches and as we plant branches of BCF locally, nationally, internationally, who also radiate life and joy as houses of prayer. This is the call. This is what God's up to. It begins, and you know, we try to picture it from, from, from the inside, it looks like this. It starts with the engine of prayer and the hospitality which welcomes people in and the missionality which sends people out. From the people outside, it hopefully begins with that inviting hospitality which welcomes them into an intimate spirituality, which brings them into an intentional spirituality, and they go back out spreading the life and joy of God. That's what we're called. And that's the restoration of the calling of Bethel Christian Fellowship. And one place for us to begin, one place for us to begin as a congregation to express this is through the utilization of the tool of Alpha. Alpha is wonderful about inviting hospitality and intimate spirituality, bringing people into intentional missionality. This is what this course is designed to do. And that's why this fall, Alpha is what we are doing on Sunday evenings. It is the class that we are offering. The class. The class is going to be Alpha in ESOL Alpha. And I'm inviting us as a congregation together to walk through this. Both to reestablish and reaffirm our calling as well as to get us prepared and keep us sending us out and welcoming others and bring your friends, bring your family, bring your coworkers, bring your neighbors. Invite them. Keep inviting them. If they don't come this fall, we're going to do it again this winter. If they don't come this winter, we're going to do it again next fall. If they don't come next fall, we're going to do it again next winter. Until the Lord tells us otherwise or until He comes, we're going to keep on pressing this out together. Now after this fall, we'll be adding other courses back into our LEDTS, but for this fall, 
the Lord has spoken to us very clearly that this is what we are to do together as the net. Okay? Got it? If you get it, say, if I say, uh, get it, say, got it. Get it? Get it? Get it? All right. Thanks, bud. Making me glad. All right. Um, Worship team and uh, elders and deacons, please come on up. We're going to close our service this morning at the table. And then I will give a benediction. So, um, this table. is the most powerful symbol we have of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. Makes it tangible to us. This is not about us. Let me be very clear. We're not trying to build His church. And he's certainly not very interested at all in building our church. What he is very interested in is building his church. So this calling, the calling to be a house of prayer for all nations, the Antioch call, whatever we want to call it, that's his call compelling upon us. It's not something we're trying to work up to. It's something that he's capturing us with. Ben, I need your help here too. And so, we come to this table with humble hearts. This representing His body broken for us has become for us the very bread of life. This representing His blood shed for us has become for us the cup of salvation. As you come to this table, this morning, the Lord says that we are to examine ourselves. To recognize the sacrifice of the Lord and to recognize His body together. So if there's anything between you and the Lord or between you and a brother or sister, this would be the time to bring it and ask forgiveness and to repent before Him and receive His grace of His forgiveness. And then together receive the elements. If you've never received Christ as your Savior and Lord, today you can do that by acknowledging that you've tried to do it on your own and it hasn't gone so well. Acknowledging that you're a sinner, that you have sinned, that you have broken the commands of God and the laws of God, which all of us have. And inviting Him to come and to cleanse you and to forgive you as you recognize and acknowledge the sacrifice of Christ on the cross who became a bridge for you and I to salvation. So receive these elements then this morning as a confirmation of that decision. It's really what we talked about earlier, that allegiance encounter. That's what he's asking this morning. So as the, ush- as the uh, elders and deacons uh, share the elements... Uh, If you would wait until all have received and then we'll partake together.